Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. Are we a dead church? Is our church walking dead? This is a series we've been doing. If you haven't been here before, you may be surprised to see zombies up on a church screen, but we're going to use that as the concept to reflect on our own lives. Are we a dead church? Are we a dead people? Are we walking dead? Clearly from hearing Lindsay's story, you can hear there's something much more going on. You heard her say there was a time in her life where she was walking around dead in her own sin in her own choices. The Bible reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, we were dead in our transgressions and our sins. I put this verse back up here only because it's Ephesians chapter 2, and I asked if anybody really wants to get more out of this sermon series to read Ephesians chapter 2. Who read Ephesians chapter 2 this week? Anybody? We got one. One. I expect more people to read Ephesians chapter 2. It's a great, great book of the Bible. It's only one chapter. You can do it. If your eyes won't allow you to read it, you can literally have the iPad speak it to you. If that won't work, get one of your grandchildren. They'll read it to you. Get a friend. Put it on audiobook. The Bible app will literally read it from the time you're in this parking lot to the time you get to the top of the street. Find a way to read it. Ephesians chapter 2. The Bible also says in Mark chapter 8, it says, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. The point is that there's dead walking among us. There may be some of us that are walking around dead doing activities for the dead. But the spiritually alive, the living church has a role. That's what we're here to talk about. Today, this message, I'm going to add a new verse to the series. 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. I use these verses just to substantiate what I'm talking about, substantiate the fact that there's both this dichotomy, this comparison between dead and alive, death and life, over and over and over in Scripture. Here, yet again, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, it says, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death dead or alive. Let's reflect on ourselves as individuals. Let's reflect on this church. Not other churches, not other pastors, not other Christians, on us. There's a clue in this passage that I like a lot. This passage gives a little more detail. The clue seems to allude that if we do something, we are alive. In other words, we mean to do something to be alive. What is it? And this verse is pretty clear. Because we love each other. Love is an action. It is something you have to do. If you are alive today, physically alive, you do something. Physically, if you are alive, you move. You have energy. You demonstrate the use of that energy. You take in food. You take in air. You convert it to energy. You move. Any living creature, it moves. Spiritually, if you're alive, you must do something. 
you must move. God creates energy in you. You must use that energy and move. As a church, if God is going to bless this building, if he is going to inhabit our praise, if he is going to be alive in this church, then as a church, we need to do something. Amen? That's just the tee up. I ask you the question again every week, what makes you alive? I find this fascinating. You can look to the Bible and come up with characteristics. You can go to your eighth grade science biology book or your college 400 level biology book and you will find the same seven characteristics of being alive in all of it. There are seven characteristics of a living being. Each week we've been covering another one. The first week we covered the first one. You need to eat. You need to be able to put nutrients in your body, an energy source. You need to eat. The sermon was called Eat More Food, Eat More Word. You need more word. A living church serves the word of God. It gives a healthy dose of living fruit and living water. A church must serve the word constantly. There's a good kind of word and there's a bad way to serve it. That was that sermon. The sermon last week, we talked about something you can't live without but for a few moments, oxygen. In order to turn food into energy, you need oxygen. It takes both. You need that. You need to breathe. And in a church, there's something we call spiritual oxygen. If the church is to be alive, if you were to be alive spiritually, you need to have spiritual oxygen all up in you. You need to learn how to spiritually breathe in with the pure, out with the unpure. I'll tell you, it's easy to be frustrated in this world. It's easy to get worried. It's natural to ask, am I alone? This week, I preached a sermon to myself. I traveled from Baltimore to Delaware, from Delaware to Jersey, from Jersey to Baltimore, from Baltimore to Louisville, from Louisville to Indiana, the middle of nowhere, from Indiana back to Baltimore. And all of these travels in the hotel room at night, so much stress was going on in our lives. You know, I had to remind myself how to spiritually breathe. If you don't know how to, listen to that message last week. Now for this week. What is the third characteristic of being alive? Well, it's in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. Many of you know it. For in him we live and we blank and we have our being. The scripture literally says there is something in between living and being alive. To be live and to be a being. There's something in between that that is essential to be alive. Do you know what it is? We must do something. We must move. If you are to be alive, you must move. It's an essential characteristic. You cannot be sedentary. Essentially, this means output. If you are bringing food and nutrients and air and oxygen into your body, it creates energy. That energy must be expelled. You need to move. Kids, that's why our kids are so jumping up and down and jittery. Don't be upset about kids running around. Don't be upset about kids screaming, yelling, crying, getting on the stage. It's okay. Yes, let's protect them. Let's make sure they don't get hurt, but they need to get rid of that energy. Some of us would like some of that energy, wouldn't we? And if you had it, what would you do with it? If you had their energy now, what would you do with it? That's the question we're asking. Now, the sermon's quite easy to preach, right? Because if we're just talking about spiritual output for an individual, we can go back to that verse and say, if we don't love someone, then we're not alive. The Bible literally says that. If you don't love, you are not spiritually alive. Corinthians teaches us there's others, faith and hope, right? Faith is an action. 
Faith is an action. When I put my faith to work, I start saying to myself that God is good and that he is going to work this out for me. And I am going to make this step, even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I am going to uh, say something to this person about Jesus Christ, even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I am going to pray for this person, even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I am going to worship, even though I don't know how it's going to work out. I am going to exercise my faith. It's an action. And then there's hope, of course. This is the one I needed help with. Having this outcome minded that, that things will work out. That all this negative in this world that we live is not pouring in you as if this world is just awful and your life is over and there's no way out of it. That is not hope. Hope is expecting that God is going to do something. You put it together with faith and I tell you, you can do wonders, church. But Corinthians teaches us if you're not good at faith and you're not good at hope, then the greatest of these three is love. If you can't get the first two down, then just love on somebody. Love on your spouse, love on your children, love on your neighbor, love on somebody, serve them, sacrifice for them, help them. These are all outputs. And so effectively, I can end the sermon there. Say we're a living church if we have these outputs evident in our spiritual lives. So that's the short version. I needed a short version because I didn't know how long all this other stuff was going to go. But for some of you who really care about the mysteries of Scripture, the depths of Scripture, I have a few moments. I'm going to go a little farther, okay? See, God is moving. God's alive. He's moving. Not just us. He's moving. Let's look at Scripture. Isaiah 60, verse 22. It says, I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. When God moves, he moves swiftly. You have a picture of an eagle. It uses that imagery all the time. He moves swiftly. This verse is very interesting. I picked this verse because I believe it's a verse prophetically speaking to what's going on at Kingsway, what's going on here in our community, what's going on with all of you. You see, it has the word this right there. This, it points to something else in the sentence, something before. I did not say that. What is before this sentence? What is this that he will do swiftly? What is God moving? Look at what it says. It says, the least of you will become a thousand, the smallest, a mighty nation. God raises up the small to become the mighty. He does not ignore the least of these. We're the smallest church in this community by far. You think God is ignoring us? You think God is forgetting us? God is in the business of taking the smallest and doing the mighty. This is why big, big churches, they create campuses, and then they, they grow, and they plant other churches, because they know as a big, big, massive church, it's hard to do the things they want to do, so they need to create smaller and smaller churches, how they grow bigger. That's a good thing. It's spreading. You'll hear about growth and reproduction later in the series. God is changing us from small to mighty. It's time for change. There must be changes in our ministry. They can't look the same. If God is moving, we must change in our ministry. We must change the way we pray. We must change the way we're using our talents. We must change the way we're using our giftings. It's time for change. How else does God move? Well, in one of my favorite verses, Luke 137, it says, with God, nothing is impossible. God moves strongly. God is always moving, and when he moves, he moves strongly. He moves swiftly, and he moves strongly. How do you know that God is moving strongly in a living church? 
Well, that should be easy. I asked my kids, I asked my wife, it should be easy. Lives are being touched. Lives are being transformed. God is moving in a living church, moving strongly. There will be evidence of it. Do you know, church, this is the third testimony since I've been pastor here at this church, standing right here in the same spot, third testimony of somebody healed from cancer? I tell you, church, it's almost becoming so routine you expect it. Fine, if you expect it so much, go find someone with cancer and bring them. Why must we wait to demonstrate God's power with us? Whether it's cancer, whether it's pain in the back and neck, whether it's arthritis, whether it's joint pain, we've seen God do miracles in this place. If you are not experiencing a miracle, it's time for you to step out. Lindsay's testimony is evidence of what God is doing. He is moving. Austin, my son, he was healed right here when he was, I think, nine, ten months old. He needed surgery because he wasn't picking up weight because he was throwing up everything. We weren't going to give him surgery. We prayed for him, healed, never threw up again after he was prayed for and healed. We never left Kingsway. That was our first trip here. My own testimony, I don't have time to share it with you, but Luke 137 reminds me of it. I, some of you only know me as Pastor Sean. Some of you know me from way back. And you know that I was in a very, very tragic car accident. It wasn't like one of the ones we saw earlier. There was a lot of damage and a lot of hospital involved. One day I'll share that testimony with you, but you need to know that no matter what the doctors say, no matter what degrees they have, no matter what the prognosis is, no matter what the, the diagnosis of how bad it will be and what they say you won't do and what they say you can't do, God is stronger. He is bigger. It requires a little faith, hope, and love, but God moves strongly. God also moves in another way. He moves. He's always moving. He moves swiftly. He moves strongly. He also moves strangely. I like this word, strangely. I mean, look at this. That's a cloud in a desert. That is how God decided to move with the Israelite people. How strange is that? I'm going to come down as a cloud. I'm going to hang out there, and then I'm going to move. You're going to follow me in the desert. Strange. It says in Genesis 50, verse 20, one of my favorite verses, what Satan means for evil, I intend to use for good. How strange is that? Why would God even allow evil to happen to us? Just get rid of it. He moves strangely. We follow a cloud. He uses evil. Why is he even talking to Satan? Why don't you just get rid of him? Oh, believe me, he intends to do that. That's coming in the last days. God will take the things that have been against you and he will turn them into a blessing. God will take the things that have been against you and he will turn them into a blessing. That is strange, but I am glad he is that kind of strange, amen? But you will need to battle for it. You will need to work for it. Man, I have so much to share. Sometimes you'll be up against it. You'll feel like you're in God's will. You'll feel like, you feel like he's moving and then... then Things just don't work out the way you thought they were. In scriptures, and I don't have time, but in scripture, I was going to share this one in Acts verse 16. For those who care, it's 16 verse 6. But it says basically this. It says that Paul and Silas were going to preach the word of God. That's important. They had a plan. They went. And God told them, no, you can't preach it. God told them you can't preach it. So then he went to the next place. So I'm going to go here and preach the word of God. God said, no, you can't preach it. Sometimes God moves in strange ways. What kind of God is it? it says don't preach his own word. They weren't ready for it. 
God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. He moves in a strange way. There are people who will be coming to Kingsway, and they aren't here yet. We're not ready for them. We're getting ready real quick, aren't we, church? I have one last thing I got to share it with you. It's, it gets deeper. There's a deeper secret about God moving strangely. If you pay attention, you'll catch it. Because if God is moving, then we are moving. We must be aware of his movement. I asked my wife, how do we know that God is moving in a church? How will you be able to see it? She says, well, people get excited, right? People get excited when God is moving because we know that he is moving. People will want to be moved themselves. They'll want to share what God is doing inside the church, share the testimonies. They'll want to share what God is doing outside the church with their friends, their community, their coworkers. That's a living church. When God is moving, people get excited, right? Well, here's the secret. It's so obvious to me. He is moving. He is moving. What does that mean? Well, when I put up here, we are moving, I didn't mean to throw it up too, too spiritual for you. I mean, literally, we are moving. I mean, literally, that's my kitchen or whatever, dining room. We're in the middle of a mess at home right now. And it's tough because there's so many things going on, but my family's all excited. We're excited about where we are. We're excited about where we're going to. You see, I want to play back to you this way. We pray for God to move. Then he moves. Then when he moves, our response is, where did you go? We pray for God to move, then he moves, and then we say, where'd you go? We must move. We may not find him where. We may not find him how we always have. Did he change? No. The Lord never changes. It's the same yesterday, today, forever. Did he leave us? No, you heard the story. The Lord sticketh close to the brother, never leaves us nor forsakes us. He didn't leave Lindsay, but he does move. How can you understand this concept of moving? Think of it as a relationship for a second. I need to get this on you. Hold on here. I need to get this on you. Think about it as a relationship. My wife and I are married. If I go to the other house, if I leave and go to the other house, and I'm in the other house, did I leave my wife? I'm not in her presence anymore. I didn't leave her. We're still connected. I moved. She can't see me. She's got to come move with me to be with me, but we're still together. I still love her. We're still in relationship. Are you following me, church? You see, God's never leaving you, but he is moving. He is changing. Doesn't the Bible say we need to walk with him? That means he's moving, church. I need to share this with you. I know we're almost at time, but I need to share the scripture. I'm not going to not share this one. Some of you, this is going to be really important. God is moving. So if God is moving, we must move church. That is the credential of being a living church. What do I mean? If you want to look at relationships, you need to turn to the book of Solomon, Songs of Solomon. This is just going to take a few seconds here. This is the, the book I use when we have our young married couples come to our house to do marriage counseling. We always go to the book of Solomon. It's about two young lovers, a young married couple sharing their experiences with one another. If you haven't read this book, you should read it. In chapter two of this book, you have the young man saying this to the young lady. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me. Look, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up. The season of singing birds has come. Rise up, my darling. 
come away with me. What the young married couple don't know is that not only is this a picture of relationships inside of a marriage, it's the picture of the church. The young man in the scripture also represents Jesus Christ. And the young woman represents you and me, the faithful Christian. Now look what happens just a few verses later when the young woman in verse 1 of chapter 3 says this, One night as I lay in bed, I yearned for my lover. I yearned for him, but he did not come. Sometimes we look for God where we expect him to be, just laying there next to us. Oh, I need some more of you, God. Where are you? I yearn for you, but you're not here. Did you leave me? The young man loved her, didn't leave her, but he moved. She has a choice, faced with a choice. Does she get up and find him? Or does she sit there and wallow about how terrible her church is, how terrible her pastor is, how terrible her experiences in life are, how terrible God is for leaving her, how terrible everything is? Or does she get up and does she hunt her God down? Why would God do this? This isn't for the sinner, by the way. He hunts the sinner down. But when we're in relationship with God, he wants you to walk with him he wants you to enter into deeper intimacy with him. Therefore, he's always moving. And it says in verses, verse 2, So the young woman said to herself, I will get up and I will roam this city. I will search all of its streets and squares. I will search for the one I love. Are you ready to search for him, church? Do you love him so much? That when God decides to turn this small church into the mighty, that it requires you to get out of your spiritual bed, your spiritual hot tub, and move, are you ready for it? Are you ready, church? I'm ready. I'm excited. I believe that God is moving at Kingsway. I believe he is doing something swiftly. He is doing something strongly, and he is doing something strangely. And we are all here to witness it firsthand. Amen? You know, there's a term, spiritual movement. There's a term, spiritual movement. You can look it up on Wikipedia and you can see the spiritual movements that we record down in history. What is a spiritual movement? I mean, if I'm going to talk about being a living church, I should probably talk about spiritual movement. If God is moving, then by definition, there's a movement. How can we be part of it? Why does God move in churches and yet we miss it? How does God move and yet we can't be part of it? How does this happen? I want you, as we're closing here, to think about the apple. There's an apple tree and there's an apple. It's a fruit. You know, you can count the amount of seeds in one apple. You can cut it open. You can count it. How many seeds are in your apple? Go home, cut your apple, count how many seeds. You can count them in one hand. God has given us seeds. He's given you testimonies. Your testimonies came from your tests. You had a test, Lindsay. Now you have a testimony. You have a message to share with people. A message came from your mess. Mike, you got a message for people. These are your seeds. You have the word of God up in you. You can share those seeds. And we encourage you to do that. 
If you do that, you're moving. It's a ministry, not a movement, though. The difference, when that apple falls off the tree, when it hits the ground, those seeds don't just get to one person or another person. It gets in the soil. It gets all up in there. It falls in that soil, and then it plants and roots. And you know what happens? Another tree. It rises up. You can't count the number of seeds one apple can produce. Church, once we get a hold of this, that the seeds up inside of you aren't just for one person or two people. They need to get embedded up in a ministry. They need to get embedded up in a purpose. They need to get surrounded with some power. And your seeds will get all up in your life. They'll get into people's lives around you. And you won't just be giving seeds to individuals. You'll be rising up apple trees. Your children, the people around you, your family members, your friends, they'll all be part of your movement that God is doing in your life. Because that is what God intends to do at Kingsway Christian Center. And if you are here, then you will be moving and you will be sharing the word of God. You'll be sharing with people inside and out. People in that community. People on Monday night. People on Tuesday night. People on Thursday night. On Friday night. I tell you church, we are a living church. And you and me get an opportunity to plant some apples. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.